0: Good morning, everybody. Yeah, like, like uh, Jared said, I'm excited to be here. My name is Robbie. I'm one of the pastors here, excited to bring God's Word to you. Yes, we are continuing um, with the series Ideal Family. And I don't know if you caught, as we've been seeing these bumpers, these funny videos before the service, um, before the sermon time, there's this one liner that has caught me. And the question is, how do I deal with my real family? Have you, have you thought about that? Has that caught your attention? How do you deal with your real family? And this morning I'm going to ask us to be real with one another. Because often this is what I see. We come to church and everybody's always, I'm good, right? Like your dog ran away, your house is burning down, your wife is planning your murder on Facebook right now. But everything's okay. Everything's all right. And we come and we put our facade on, like, every, like our house, our family, all's good. But in reality, if we're real with one another, there's definitely some hurts and some pains. Specifically, as we talk about these two people, mom and dad. Our fathers and our mothers. Because if we're real with one another, there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain in this room. Just merely the mentioning of thinking of mom and dad for some of us brings heartache. It brings pain. And even right now, some of us are saying, I don't even want to go there. This is definitely emotionally complex for us in a room this size. That there's some stories here that you don't want to tell. There's some stuff maybe you've been hiding in the closet that you don't want to bring out about mom and dad. Things that we don't talk about as a family. And so some of us are afraid, (laughs) Like, Robbie, are we really going to go there this morning? Are we going to really talk about my mom and dad? You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know how they hurt me. That's what some of us feel. But listen, if it's that painful, then it's that important. And I believe God wants to speak to you this morning. I believe he wants to speak to you about mom and dad. So let's be real with us. Let's be real with one another. Let's look for some answers. Let's hear what God has to say to us this morning about mom and dad. About honoring thy father and thy mother, which really, for some of us, that is the question. That is, what do you mean I should honor my father and mother? And some of us really question that. Well, can I tell you, many of us come in here with different stories, and that's because of our culture. We're in a culture that idolizes youth, but demonizes old age. Mark Driscoll just did a fantastic message, a lot of what I'm speaking today comes from what he says, but he says that we idolize the youth and we demonize the old age. And we know this to be true, we see all the commercials, everything about being young, right? We get Botox, we get surgery, we lose weight, we want to live young, don't we? And then in the 60s and 70s it all became about rebellion, rebellion became acceptable, almost as expected that in your teen years you would rebel and you would do your own thing. Oh, he's just fulfilling his wild oats. And then it became a society about individualization. I don't know if I got that right. You know what I'm saying. It's all about me, right? All about me, that my my actions don't affect you. As long as whatever makes me happy, do it. And we all know that's a lie. Because we can all say in this room, the decisions that mom and dad made, Whether for the good or for the bad, affected the family, don't they? The decisions your mom and dad made affected the whole family. And then we get into sex outside of marriage. It's about hooking up. And that becomes the normal. So we have teen pregnancies. And we have a lot of us in here maybe came into this world unwanted, came into this world as a burden, as oh man, we're pregnant. Some of us come into this room not being loved, not being cared for, not being tendered, with a tendered heart as a parent. No, you came into this world more as a burden. And some of us come into this room maybe abused verbally, physically. Maybe some of us come in here not knowing dad or mom. That's the experiences. That's the hurt and the pain. So let me pray for us. God, I pray you work, you work on our hearts this morning. Father, may we deal with some things maybe we've been hiding. We try to put a Band-Aid on it, but the wound is still so very, very real. So Holy Spirit, only do only what you can do in us. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. So I'd like to start with just simply asking some basic questions about this text. Some real simple questions, alright? And we're go with me here, we're going to, uh, you can follow along here. The simple question is, um, why or who do we honor? Who do we honor? Well we see here simply that as Paul is uh, writing this, he's simply saying that you honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now, for us, we just take that as fluff and we accept it. We've heard that before. But can I tell you, this is very revolutionary in those days. In that time, Dad had absolute authority. And some of you under your breath just said, Amen. (laughs) But in those days, literally, the woman had no right. The mother had no right. The father had absolute say. To the point, and this is what I found out, to the point that the, the father could order the wife into slavery. And so we see straight off the bat that that, that Paul is saying here is that the father and the mother are on the same playing field. That in God's organizational chart, there is God, there is father and mother on the same level, and then there is the kids. That this is God's design. And you specifically see here that it is between a man and a woman. That contrary to society and what is accepted, an ideal family is a man and a woman. And they're equal. They're equally. They're working together to, to raise the family. They're, they're together joined. Raising up the kids. Both have an equal voice. The wife isn't in front of the man. And the wife isn't behind the man. No, they are equal on the same playing field. On the same playing field. Now, how does this work out, how does this work out in our families? Well, children... We don't play favoritism. And parents, we don't play favoritism. There's not just mom and dad. She's daddy's girl or he's daddy's boy or vice versa, whatever it may be. No, there shouldn't be, shouldn't be favoritism. In the family, there shouldn't be favoritism. And let me tell you this is whenever you've seen favoritism in a family, it doesn't go well. The Old Testament, we saw that with Joseph. I mean, we have brothers trying to kill each other. Favoritism never works itself out in the family. It never does. So dads, as we speak about our wives in front of the children, we do so with honor. And wives, as we speak about our our husbands in front of the kids, we do so to honor them. Because let me tell you this, what you say, they say. And what you sing, they sing. They see your example. They follow you. And your footsteps, so there should be a sense of honor in the family that, that we parent for unity and to honor one another. And I know this first well, even as being a brother. I have four sisters, and I tell you, I was about eight years older, so literally I could pick up pick on each of them. Right? And there were a couple of them I really loved, and there was one I didn't. <laughs> I'm being honest. Like she got on my nerves, she got under my skin. And can I tell you that the way I treated her, I mean, it was just awful. And I was maybe in my teenage years, but can I tell you, it still had effect in our relationship years down the road. And even to this day, we're not as close. Because I played favorites. So we honor one another. There should be unity. Now this gets very interesting in our world, in our culture, with divorces. How do I speak about my ex, right? Even though I disagree with how he parents or how she parents. I still believe we honor. I may disagree with you, but I still honor because that's your child's dad. That's your child's mother. We honor. All right, so why do we honor our father and mother? All right, let's ask that question. Why do we honor our father and mother? Well, we see here in the scripture, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment. With a promise. And this is what I love. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. Very cool scripture. Very cool commandment. This is literally the fifth commandment. Uh, Paul is repeating in Ephesians the ten commandments, the fifth one. The first four are about our relationship with God. Commandment five through ten are about our relationship with one another. And here's the first one with a promise. That we walk by faith and we see a promise, and this is proverbial proverbial wisdom, saying that if you do this, more than likely this is what's going to happen for you. That this is what's going to happen, and oftentimes we think of God's commands sometimes as a killjoy. And maybe teenagers are sitting here thinking, "Oh man, (laughs) this is going to." We're talking about obeying our parents and honor our parents. No, listen, that it oftentimes—I don't say often; I mean all the time. When we are obedient to God, it is for our benefit. Listen, it's as though I honor God and I want to obey His word, and I want to do what He wants me to do, it's for my benefit. It's for your benefit. And you see the scripture here do you want things to go well with you? Do you want things to go well with your kids? Do you want things to go well as grandparents and for your grandkids? Then we learn to honor our father and our mother. We see the promise that things will go well with you. And listen, for some of us who are 16, 17, and 18, and you think you're the smartest 16 or 17-year-old to walk the earth. You may think that. You got it all together. You figured it out. Can I tell you that's pretty foolish? (laughs) I mean, you're 16. You get that? You walked the earth for 16 years. And I know mom and dad sometimes may seem out of touch, but they live twice as long as you have. And it would look like this. I've been married now for two months. Yes, two months, right? And and, and, it, and at our wedding and at our reception, there was this box full of advice. And many of you gave us great advice, except some of the teenagers here. Um, funny, good advice, but, you know. It would be foolish for me to go, you know what? We got this down. Me and Michelle, we've been married for two months. All things are good. You know what? I don't need your advice. You may have been married for 25, 35 years. You know what? I don't need your advice because, you know, I've been living for two months. We've been married for two months and all things are good. That'd be foolish. Think about it, teenagers. It'd be foolish. And listen, if you listen to the counsel, you listen from the instructions from your parents, you listen to what they have to say, The scripture says here it will go well with you. You'll enjoy a long life. Things will go well with you. Now, let's take a breath as we go into this next question. And this is really the question maybe some of us are wanting to ask. It's this. How do we honor dishonorable fathers and mothers? How do we honor those we think... Don't deserve it. I believe it first starts with this. We give grace. How can I, what do you mean, give grace to someone who doesn't deserve it? Well, let me just, let me put it this way. You know, as, kid, as, as kids, our parents are like supermen, like they're superheroes. They do no wrong, right? As kids, they look up to you, everything you do is like golden. Now, that changes as we become teenagers, right? We realize they're human. We realize our parents are sinners, much like ourselves. And here's what I find the problem is often is that we can become very critical. Very critical of our parents. We remember every failure, right? Your kids can remember every failure and pinpoint them. But listen, if that same criteria was turned to us as teenagers, man, we'd be in a whole lot of trouble, wouldn't we? So I think it begins to go, you know what, I need to give my parents some Grace. And let me give you an example. In my own life, as I was preparing for this message, you know, some of the things my dad said came back to memory. And I'm talking things my dad said 12 years ago. 12 years ago, and I still remember it. 12 years ago. And listen, my dad was a great father. But I still remember those things he said 12 years ago. And for me, I said, it's time for me to give him some grace. I need the grace. And I'm going to need it as a parent. I know that. Maybe I lend him some grace and let it go. Secondly, we need to do this. Give forgiveness. Give forgiveness. Are you serious, Robbie? Are you serious, the things they said, the things they've done? No, no, I'm holding on to it. I'm going to hold on to my wounds. I'm going to hold on to those things because I'm not going to let it go. How am I going to give forgiveness? Well... One of the things I found, and maybe you know this to be true, is when we do that, we put ourselves in a prison. Unforgiveness is like a prison. We think we're hurting the other person, in reality, we're only hurting ourselves. T.D. Jake says this if you hold on to your history, you do it at the expense of your destiny. You hear what he said? He says that if you're holding on to your history, if you're holding on to the past, and the past hurts and the wounds, and you're holding on to that, what you're doing is at the expense of your destiny. Listen, as much as you want to seek your revenge, and you want to hold on to it, that's hurting you. And I wonder why sometimes we have anger problems, and we lash out, and we get upset about the silliest things, is maybe because... We really have some wounds, and we haven't forgiven our parents. Listen, it takes more strength to forgive. It takes more God to forgive. And often our unforgiveness is holding us back as parents, as children. It's holding us back. So we forgive. May the Holy Spirit do something in us that we could forgive our parents. Thirdly, we give honor. Now this one you should be going, what? How am I to honor one who is unhonorable or dishonorable? I love this. There's a military phrase for some of us. It's simply this, it simply says, salute the uniform. And for some of us, we may be in a place where simply, I'm just going to have to salute my mom and dad. I salute the uniform. I just respect uniform. That she's my mother. I just respect that he was my father. I may not like the person behind the uniform. I may not like what they said or what they've done, but I just give honor. I give honor. Fourthly, we give example. We honor our dishonorable fathers and mothers by being the best dad you can be. By being the best mother you can be. Be the best go you know what I don't want to be like my dad in this area I don't want to be like my mom in this area so I'm going to do whatever I can to not be like them I'm going to put myself surrounded by people who are great examples I'm going to put myself in the church I'm going to find myself in bible studies and counseling whatever it has to do God that you would work in me that I wouldn't be like them and listen in a culture with divorce in a culture that is crazy and chaotic, with a culture full of orphans and people that don't know how to really live. We need to be the example. Listen, I'm not gonna talk about divorce with my family. I'm not gonna go there. No, I'm gonna be the example for my the rest of my family. I'm gonna show my kids what a godly man looks like. I'm gonna show my kids what a godly woman looks like. I'm gonna be the example. And lastly, we give thanks. How do we honor them? Well, that's, that's an interesting one too, isn't it? How am I going to give thanks for my mom and dad? Well, I'll just tell you this. is I think we give thanks out of the understanding of where would we be without our Heavenly Father. Right? Where would you be? And aren't you thankful that you're here this morning to hear about a Heavenly Father who loves you, that we sung about? Like, where would we be And listen, one of the things I thought about is I start to give thanks for my mom and dad. I start to see things in them that I go, man, they really were better than I thought. It's often we only remember the bad things. So we give thanks. We give thanks. Now, let's just talk about how do we honor fathers and mothers? All right? How do we take this command? See, sometimes I think we take it as fluff, like this is a suggestion. You know, we all know it. We've heard it a million times. We know we should honor our fathers and mothers. And we take it as a suggestion. Now, I want you to hear this because God doesn't take it as a suggestion. And we live under grace and under the new covenant. But I want you to show you how serious the law is in the Old Testament. Here's a, a passage in Deuteronomy. It says, if, any, if someone has a stubborn and rebellious son, okay, that's pretty rele- relevant for today, isn't it not? Who does not obey his father and mother. Okay, it's getting a little closer to home. And will not listen to them when they discipline him. His father and mother shall take hold of him. And bring him out to the elders at the gate of this town. Then all the men of this town shall stone him to death. You must purge this evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it it and be afraid. That's all we need. I mean... Seriously? Some of you are like, yes, that's what I came here for. I got permission to stone my kid. We don't think that, kids. We really don't. Only sometimes, right, as parents? Right? But do you hear the seriousness of rebellion, of dishonor? God doesn't play around with it. And listen, uh, we have this another verse. This is coming out of uh, Romans chapter 1. It says, furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to the depraved mind to to do what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They what? Disobey their parents. God doesn't play around with this. God doesn't play around with our disobedience. And neither should we as parents. Like you disobey, there should be a consequence. And as parents, I charge you with the fourth part of Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 4, which says that you raise up your child in discipline and in the commands of the Lord. Like we don't give in to the terrorist threats of a two-year-old. Right? Do you get what I'm saying? We We don't give in to the commands. No, we take it highly upon ourselves as adults that they would honor their mom and dad. Honor. Here's a great quote. Listen to this, parents. It's easy to grow weeds. It's hard to grow fruit. It's easy to grow weeds, and it's hard to tend the garden. That's what you're tasked with. It's no easy task. And so we discipline so that they may honor their father and their mother. Now, this looks different for each category, for each of us here. So how do we honor our father? for children, it's going to look different than adolescents, and adolescents are going to look different than adults. And let's kind of talk about these. Because as you notice in Ephesians 6.1, it said, Children, obey your parents and the Lord. It specifically says children. So mom and dad, you don't have to obey your, your, your father your parents anymore. It looks a little different. But for children, you're tasked with obeying your mom and dad. Interesting, I love in, the, in different translations in the NIV, it says, You obey in the Lord, or as unto the Lord. Do you get what he's saying here? He's saying, you obey mom and dad as though it is Jesus, your Savior, that is speaking to you. That you obey your mom and dad as though God himself is speaking to you. That this is your act of worship. That I'm going to be obedient to my parents. I'm going to be obedient to them as though it is God speaking to them. It is part of our worship unto him that we obey. And then it goes on to say this. It says, for this is right. Well, what does that mean? Is that because society says so? It does nothing to do with what society says. So you'd be hard-pressed to find any movie or media or a teen magazine that would say you should obey your parents and honor them. No, you do so because this is what God commands. That if you love the Lord your God, you will honor your mother and father and you will obey. God created order. And listen, we do this... Because we believe this command. It's going to go better for you. Listen, I remember a period of time in my life, and maybe you've gone through it too, where you are like, you were grounded all the time. Right? Like I remember a period of time where I was like, man, I can never get ungrounded. Right? And it just, it just kind of clicked to me eventually. It was like, man, maybe if I just obey, things will be better. That's just how it works. Now secondly, adolescence. If you're still living at home... You still have to obey. But this begins to change. It begins to shift. Because now you're not quite an adult, but you're in that in-between stage, and so it moves to respect. Respect. Listen, you may disagree with your parents. You may not like the rules. You don't, may not like how your family is run. And that's fine. You can have your own ideas. But you're not yet an adult. So God is asking you to honor your parents by respecting them. That you live under their household and you respect. And can I tell you, those teenagers here, one of the things I found this crazy statistic. It costs, by the time from your time zero to time you're eighteen years old, it costs your parents two hundred and forty-one thousand dollars to raise you. Quarter of a million dollars on average, and some of you thinking that's college included? No. So your parents spend two hundred forty-one thousand dollars raising you by the time you're eighteen. Now, parents would testify that they would love... To, they, there's many things they could spend, $241,000, right? Parents, right? There's many vacations you could take and trips to Tahiti with $241,000. But you are a blessing to your parents. You are a blessing. You are a blessing. So out of that, we say we going to honor God, so I'm going to respect my mom and dad. And thirdly, here we go, adults... It moves from obey to respect to now caring for your parents. Now, I haven't really thought about this. And I didn't didn't really think about it being 30 years old, but eventually the task is going to be on me to make sure mom and dad are cared for. See, back when this command was given, there was no system set up to take care of the elderly. So it was given to the family to say, you're going to have to take care of mom and dad. Doesn't mean social security, nursing home, retirement homes are evil but we as adults are now tasked to take care of mom and dad. We're tasked to make sure that we go visit, that they're not lonely, that we're caring for them, we're taking care of them, we're making phone calls. And maybe from some of us in our 30s and 40s start to plan financially, just in case, we're going to have to take care of them in their old age. So, that's how it works out in a practical sense. We respect... We obey, we respect, and then we care for our parents. Now, let's be real for a second. Because I think some of us really struggle with this idea of God our Father. As though we've been talking about our parents, and though we've been bringing back some things from the past, or maybe some things that they've said, and how they've hurt you. I'm pretty sure some of us have a hard time understanding God our Father. I'm sure some of us here have a struggle with our identity of who we are because we never really knew who we should be. Dad never told me who I should be. Michelle and I were watching What Not to Wear the other day. Correction, she was watching it and I was observing, because as a man you cannot confess to watching What Not to Wear. But there was this there was this girl on there and she... She, had, she wasn't on there just because she had terrible fashion sense. In fact, it was like Halloween each and every day for this woman. I mean, she wore a costume, no doubt. I mean, it was like she dressed up as a kid. She dressed up as a like bunny. I mean, this is how she went to work. It was crazy. And they get her on the show, and they're like, why do you dress the way you dress? And she began to say, well, I just don't really know who I am, I guess. I really just don't know who I am. I think that maybe some of us today we just really don't know who we are we weren't cared for we weren't god i mean our parents didn't just tell us they didn't they didn't example they weren't there for us we just don't know who we are and then i think some of us maybe when it comes to our heavenly father we always keep them at a distance we keep them at a shoulder's length and some of us have that hard time even when we say the lord's prayer our father Because listen, how can can God love me when my earthly parents were awful and they abandoned me? How can God love me when all my parents, what they said? And so we have a real hard time with this. We have a real hard time with this idea of God our Father. And for some of us, maybe we come from good families. And we go, you know what, I don't really understand that. You know, I heard a message, it was 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I heard a message from T.D. Jakes, and he was talking about his early days in ministry. At the time, he was at a small church where everybody knew everybody, one of those small churches. And he received a phone call from one of the congregants and said, hey, you need to get over to so-and-so's house. He gets in his car and he travels to this congregant's house, he arrives there. And here's what had happened. It was a Friday afternoon and the father of this family decided to check out. He took his own life. And later that afternoon, his son would come home from school to find his dad laying on the floor. And and T.D. Jake says this, he says, as I arrived in that household, as I wrote before I even walked in that front door, I could hear the screaming and the tears and the wailing of this young man. He says, I could already feel the pain. And see, that young man, the one man in his life that should be there to take care of him and care for him, the one man that should show him how to be a man, to love him and cherish him, decided to check out. It is though that Father, as he took his own life, he took the life of his son. That one bullet would take two lives. Do you feel that pain? The one that's supposed to love him and care for him would take his own life. And some of us feel that today. We feel that about mom and dad. We feel that. But listen, I'm here to tell you, I know the one who came to this earth not to take his life, but to give it. That he would come to this earth that we may have life. And listen, I know the scriptures that declare by his wounds, we are healed. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to heal your heart today. That he wants to heal your wounds. That we have a God in heaven who is unlike that earthly father. Who's so unlike that earthly father. We have a God in heaven who will never ever walk out on you. Will never ever curse you or say nasty things. We have a God in heaven who does not act like many of our fathers have. And for some of us, we've had good fathers. And I tell you, what you see in your good father is you see glimpses of the heavenly father. Listen, church. The word declares that his love is extravagant. That he is full of kindness and compassion. Kindness and compassion. That, oh, that you would grasp how deep and how wide the father's love is for you. Oh, that you would grasp it. His love is extravagant. And would you look at me for a second? Because sometimes it's really hard for us to accept this. That you are precious in his sight. That he values you. You're precious in his sight and he delights. Check this out. He delights in you. And often when we hear those things, we just want to bow our heads and look the other way. How could the God of the universe delight in me? How could he love me? I tell you, I love the prodigal son story. I love the prodigal son story, and let me tell you why. That we have, you know the story, right? The son decides he's going to go do his own thing and live it up in wild living. So he's out clubbing. He's living it up. He's hooking up. He's doing all these things. But he finds himself in a mess. He finds himself in a mess on his knees, broke with nowhere to turn. And the scriptures declare that he had an idea. That he came to his senses. Amen for the senses. And he had the idea that maybe I could just go back home. And maybe the father would accept me. Maybe dad would allow me to be a servant or just be in the house. And so he comes to his senses and he begins to walk home. But what is so great about the passage, what's so great about the story is that the father the whole time has been waiting for his son, looking for him to come back home. And it says, not filled with anger, not filled with discipline, not filled with anything other than compassion and love, does he take off? The father takes off running, get this, for his son. He takes off running after him. And as he gets there, he doesn't discipline him. He doesn't say anything nasty. No, he wraps his arms around the son and embraces him. And he says, my son has returned. My son has returned, and we're going to party. <laughs> they grill fillets because they're men, right? And they party, and they sing, and they celebrate. He puts the ring on his finger. My son has returned home. My son has returned home. My dad does something that's pretty. gets kind of annoying, all right? Sometimes. Until I've been working on this message, I didn't really think about it much. But often when I talk to my dad on the phone, you know, my dad lives in Dallas, Texas. The rest of my family lives there. And um, Talking to him on the phone, and often he's like, so when are you going to come to visit? Like, every conversation always ends with, so when are you coming home? And then when I'm there visiting, he's like, when are you moving home? That's how he is. But what's my dad really saying? What's he really saying? Son, you belong home. That I delight in you. That I want you. I want you. And that's what he's saying to us today. You need to hear how much God loves you. Hear how much God likes you. Hear how much he delights in you. Hear how much he wants you to come home. But don't stay distant. Don't stay in the wild living. Don't stay away from me, but come home. Because I'm full of compassion, mercy, and grace. Let's pray. Fathers, weave. Maybe this morning seen glimpses, just a glimpse of how good you are. How much you love us. How much you delight in us. How much you care for us. And how much you want us. Sometimes our only response is to sing, is to dance is to give you our lives and say, Father, in response of how great you are, maybe all I can do is bow my head. Father, would you reveal to us your love? Would you reveal to us your heart? Would you do work in our own hearts, God? That many of us have been hurt and wounded, but only the Father's touch can heal. Only the Father's touch may heal. So, Father, may we do business with you, with our arms open, saying, God, I need you. I need to respond to your goodness and your grace. And we thank you, Father, that we can call you our Father, the Abba Father, our Father, who is in heaven. Pray this in your mind.